0: Hey folks, this is Matt Hunsaker, welcoming you back to the State Tax Show. Today, we talk about a little snippet of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 and how it could have a major impact on state and local tax cuts. Today has been a difficult day on the technology front. I literally spent like four hours today trying to get my technology to work. And then I finally got everything working and then I had to do a presentation for TEI and then everything fell apart again. So I'm recording this podcast a little later in the day on Monday than I usually would, and as luck would have it, now the infamous spring thunderstorms of Texas are rolling in, so. This podcast is going to have kind of a dark and stormy night feel to it. So I wanted to bring something to your attention. You very well may already be aware of this, but it involves some tension between the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. That's the uh, latest coronavirus relief uh, act that was signed by President Biden on March 11th. So some tension between that and issues relating to state sovereignty and tax cuts. So this bill includes about $350 billion in state and local aid to help with coronavirus relief. And it appears that there's some concern on the federal front that some of the states may say, hey, thank you very much for this money. And instead of using it for specific coronavirus relief efforts, would just use the money to fund tax cuts. And so included in the bill is essentially what's a clawback for relief funds that are used to offset tax cuts over the next three years or so. I I think it's to the end of 2024. I'm going to read you exactly what the clawback says It's a little bit long, so be warned, but I think it's helpful to see or at least hear the actual language to better understand some of the ambiguities and concerns that the states have. So here it is. A state or territory shall not use the funds provided under this section or transferred pursuant to Section 603C4. You can ignore all that to either directly or indirectly offset a reduction in the net tax revenue of such state or territory resulting from a change in law, regulation, or administrative interpretation during the covered period, that's the period that ends at uh, the end of 2024, that reduces any tax by providing for a reduction in a rate, a rebate, a deduction, a credit, or otherwise or delays the imposition of any tax or tax increase. So what does that mean? Well, I think the problem is we're not entirely sure what it means. I think the concern that the states have is this language that says that if there's any direct or indirect reduction in net tax revenue, well, then the government's going to take back dollar for dollar any Tax reductions. And if you listen carefully to that language, that tax reduction can be as the result of a change in a law, a regulation, or administrative interpretation. And that's got to be really causing some heartburn for the state policy folks because, I mean, what if you change your interpretation on, say, whether cloud computing or software? is subject to sales tax or not. Well, that could ultimately cause tax revenues to go down. And so the federal government could say, well, you funded that policy change, which reduced tax revenue using these coronavirus relief funds. And therefore we're going to claw them back. I think whoever drafted this may not really understand fully how state and local tax works. I think that the idea here is that you can just take a look at a state and say, well, they reduced their rate, so there's a tax cut, or they said that this particular item is no longer subject to sales tax, or, hey, let's give this general business credit to reduce taxes. But if you look at it from a state tax policy perspective, there are a number of different policy decisions that you can make where it's not real clear whether it's a tax win or a tax loss for the state. So what if a state implements a policy decision, say around market-based sourcing, and then it ultimately proves that that's a tax cut? Well, is the federal government going to come knocking, asking for their money back because there ended up being a net tax reduction attributable to this, seemingly neutral tax policy decision. One of the other issues is it's not always really clear whether the, the tax cuts are being funded out of these coronavirus relief funds, because what happens if you have a reduction in spending and then you also have tax cuts? Well, what really is driving those tax cuts? Is it the money coming in from the federal government? Or is it the reduction in spending? There's just a variety of different permutations of issues here that are going to make it really, really hard for states and I think for the federal government to administer this provision. I think one of the other issues that some states, I consider these lucky states, are going to have to deal with is, hey, we don't really have a budget shortfall because the budget shortfalls, And the sky falling that we all did last year hasn't really come to pass. And so I think that the amount of relief that's going to the state and local governments is really out of proportion to the budget gaps that they're really experiencing. And so there's going to be some states out there that are doing just fine and really don't have a hole to plug. So here they are with these funds, and that puts them in kind of the moral hazard position of do we cut taxes or do we just spend these funds so that they don't get clawed back. But I think we really need to just take a step back here and not get bogged down in the minutia of how this particular provision would actually be implemented, but to take a look at what this really is doing to the principle of federalism. I think the states are really concerned that under the anti commandeering doctrine and other principles of of federalism, the federal government has tied their hands in ways that really violate the principle of fiscal federalism. And so I would expect that if there is no change to this provision, that there's probably going to be some litigation as to whether it's constitutional or not. And I don't think that I'm understating things when I say that the passage of this act has really gotten the state's attention. In fact, on March 16th, which is five days after the act passed, 21 state attorney generals sent a letter to treasury secretary Yellen asking for guidance on how this particular law is going to be interpreted. And you know, I'll just read a paragraph from their letter, which I think will give you kind of the tone in the, in the feeling that's coming from the states. And they say, such federal usurpation would represent the greatest attempted invasion of state sovereignty by Congress in the history of our republic. That's a pretty strongly worded letter. There's also some legislation out there that would do away with this prohibition on states lowering their taxes if they receive some of this aid money. I think there's just one bill, a Senate Bill 730 from Senator Braun out of Indiana, and that bill is called the Let States Cut Taxes Act, so I think you can get a glimpse of what that act does just by its title. So I think the short story here is that we're just a couple of weeks into this and we really don't know how this is going to shake out, but I think we really see two paths here. One, uh, Treasury, well, maybe three paths. Treasury provides some guidance that gives states some certainty and some breathing room with regards to their fiscal abilities. Or this particular provision is seen for the troublesome provision it is and a bill like Senator Braun's bill just pulls it out of the package. Or the third and probably the most entertaining route is we see some litigation from the states on the constitutionality of this bill. So stay tuned. This is probably going to be all over the news for the next little bit. And uh, I will report back when we have something a little more definitive to say. I'll be back next Monday with another episode of the State Tax Show. Until then, have yourselves a great week. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker & Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.